Welcome to the Epicenter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Epicenter Church, visit epicenterchurch.com.au. We started this sermon series last week called Wild. And the premise of it is, is this, and the, or the explanation that I gave, was that as individual cap, as I believe that God's created us to be more like wild creatures. In that I think that outside of where we are, it's supposed to be a jungle that we can go out and explore and conquer and tame and whatever it is that God's called us to do that we can go out and do. In that wild animals, they don't have, they don't have boundaries. They can go where they want. They can do where they want. The world is their oyster. And I believe that that's what it should be for us too. But I think more often than not that as opposed to representing wild animals, we represent wild creatures stuck in a cage looking outside of our cage into the jungle, dreaming about the what if I did this, what would happen if I stepped out, what would, could happen. And so we end up resembling more of a wild creature trapped in a cage dreaming about the jungle. Or perhaps another example that I use as well would be Tarzan. Everyone knows Tarzan swinging through the, through the trees, through the jungle vines, looking for Jane. That's what he does. I think that's what we're meant to represent, someone wild, someone free, without limit, without restraint. But more often than not, we don't represent that person free, without limit, without restraint. We represent someone that more likely represents a person stuck in a cage, trapped, dreaming about swinging through the jungle, dreaming about what could happen outside of the cage. And I think not all the time, but most of the time, we're the ones that create our own cage. I know for some of us, we've had other people help us make that cage. But so the idea of what we're doing through these next um, few weeks is to look at that. How can we engage with what it is that God has called us to do outside of the cage? How can we step out of where we are and into what God has in store for us? So last week, we um, started looking at a story of this um, guy called Moses. He is crazy. Um, We looked at from, from the book of the book of Exodus, where um, Moses was raised in the palace and then he has, a, has this encounter with something in his heart and we looked at significance. And for a lot of us, we, we find ourselves stuck in a cage because we feel insignificant. We either feel insignificant because we perceive we've done nothing of any worth or we feel insignificant because we've done everything that determines us to feel insignificant. And so what we looked at is that you're not significant because you do something good, but you're significant because you reflect someone good and that all of us regardless of who you are where you've come from what you are that you are a reflection of someone good and that person is Jesus we all reflect him in different ways we had the band up here singing and leading us in worship but there's multiple other ways some people reflect Jesus through their sports through their activities um, in those regards some people through business like there's multiple ways that look outside of the four walls of the church of how we reflect the character and the goodness of God and we're looking at Moses of how he discovered how he is called or was called to reflect the character of and the nature of God. So that was last week. So this week, what we're looking at is that we are wild enough to engage, take the next step, however that looks, whatever that looks like to step outside of the cage. So I'm going to have another glass of water, and then I'm going to pray. Father, I um, thank you for this um, series, Jesus. And I pray that the more we engage with and go through it, Father, I pray that um, the different shackles that we find um, holding us, Father, I pray that they fall off, Jesus, as we step into what it is and who it is that you've called us to be, to reflect your nature, to, to reflect who you've created us to be. And I pray that as I share, Father, I pray that it highlights areas in our lives, Father, where you're calling us to take the next step. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. I remember years ago, several years ago, um, my brother, one of my youngest younger brothers, um, Justin, him and I, like dad sent us out to go and bring some cattle in. The, the cattle were in like a holding paddock that was just near the yards and we, had to, we were selling them, I think, and it was really, really wet. It was a re- like really wet winter. And anyone that's grown up in a dairy farm or had anything to do with dairying will know the type of winter that I'm talking about. It's that one where you can't walk with gumboots because your gumboots are getting sucked off. Every step is like... And so this, that's what this whole holding pen was like. It was just, it felt like it was knee deep in mud, just struggling to walk. And it was just, it was an effort. So we had to go in and, and bring the cattle up. And so what you do is you, as you're going in the paddock, you kind of split up so you're not heading the same direction other, or walking the same line because it doesn't work herding cattle. And so I started heading towards more the middle and Justin went around the other side and, and he started like borderlining the, the fence to, to push them from that way. And as we're, as we're walking, I'm, I'm watching where he's going and it just happened to be the cattle's path to the trough and it was getting deeper and deeper and deeper in mud. And he gets to this point right by the fence where he's stuck. And he, he's a lot, he, well, we're both young, so he's younger than me, so he still is. And, and, and he, he, starts, he starts screaming because he's stuck and he's trying to take his, his foot out of the mud. And he can't take his foot out of the mud because his gumboot's coming off. And so I watched him a couple of times, I lift his foot out and his, his foot comes out and the boot stays there. But he had like 20 meters to escape to get to some drier sort of ground with his, just his socks. So he put his foot back on, back in and tried the other foot. Same thing happened. And I watched him doing this for a while, which is irritating me about this time because I need him to walk so the cattle can keep moving because I don't want to go over there so I don't want to be stuck. And so it's, it's not work, working. So I said, Justin, just start, just, 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 just keep moving. Just do something. So he does something. He grabs hold of the fence. And that's what you do when you're, when you're stuck. You try and grab something, don't you, to get a bit more leverage. So he's getting it. And if you've been stuck in mud, if you can get kind of your toes and pull up, it'll get your gum boot unstuck and you can move to the next step and you're stuck again, generally. And so that's what he did. He grabbed hold of the fence to get some leverage, which is a great idea. Apart from it was an electric fence. So he starts wailing at this point, like crying, screaming. He's wailing. And you can imagine with every zap, it just gets louder and then quietens down, then gets louder again and quietens down. And I start yelling, just let go of the fence and just move. And he, he just keeps doing this. And, and it feels like it's going on for like 20 seconds. He's just holding onto the fence. And eventually he just, I don't know what possessed him to do this, but he just launches out of his gumboots and starts moving holding onto the fence in mud covered in water. And so now the, the current is even like it's going through his body stronger and he's crying, he's screaming. And eventually he gets to, to where it's less muddy. His gum boots are still back there. And we got the cattle in and, and I said to him, why did you hold on the fence? He said, I thought I was going to die. So I didn't know what to do. I just thought I'd just hold on to it and like it'd make it all quicker. He was a kid. I don't know why that was his answer, but that was his answer. He thought he was going to die, and so he just thought, what, what, what's the point? So I don't know about you, but maybe you've never been stuck in mud. Has anyone been stuck in mud like that, like literally? Anyone that's had much to do with farming will have like, felt mud like that. You're just stuck. You can't move. But perhaps you haven't experienced mud like that, but I bet all of us have experienced figuratively in life being stuck. 
Would that be correct? A fair assumption? At some point in life, we found ourselves in a situation that we feel completely stuck. We can't move forward. Perhaps it's for, for you, it's with your marriage. You're just in that point where you just can't ever seem to move forward. No matter what you do, you cannot move forward. Perhaps it's been with your finances. You're just always in the same position. Can can never keep moving forward. You're just stuck there. Perhaps you've struggled with addiction. And you're just stuck there or you're always making bad choices and you're stuck figuratively in the mud. And some of you have felt like something similar to my brother that you're holding in the, in the middle of that. It's bad enough being stuck in the mud, but you're holding on to an electric fence. And it just keeps zapping you and zapping you and zapping you. And it's like insult to everything that's going on. And the, maybe the big question is, how do I move forward? And the, the truth is this, if you can put up the next slide, the first slide. You'll never become who you are until you step out of where you are. So we'll never become that person who that we're created to be, that we're called to be. We'll never step into that dream that God has placed on our hearts, that thought, that idea, until we step out of where we are. You can drop that slide. You see, for Justin, for my brother, he had to take... Step after step after step to continue to move forward to get to some ground that he could walk easy. It was next step. There was a step. There was a step. There was a step. For all of us, regardless of who you are, where you are, we've all got steps that we need to take in order to step out of where we are and into where it is that God is calling us. So last week we started, obviously, like I said before, with the story of Moses. We're going to continue that. And so we're reading from a book of called Exodus. If you don't know this book, it's, it's like Lord of the Rings crosses. Who was that guy I said last week? I never watched the movie. I've watched bits and pieces of it. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. It's like Harry Potter meets Lord of the Rings. It's kind of what it's like. There's supernatural, there's crazy, there's, there's weird, really weird stuff taking place in this book. And then at the same time, there's this pursuit of freedom. And so it's something like the plot that you read out of a movie line. So if you haven't read it, jump on, read it, check it out. It's an interesting read. So we're going to pick up that story in chapter 2, verse 11. So if you can put it up on the slide. So just to backtrack before this, last week we left with Moses has just gone out from the palace and he's gone out to visit his people, the Hebrew people. For you see, Moses is a Hebrew that was adopted by Egyptians and was brought up in the palace. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So he's a prince of Egypt. And so he's left Egypt, or he's left the palace, sorry. He's gone out to check out the the Hebrews and he's noticed something. He's noticed that they are stuck in slavery. And so that's where we left off last week with where he noticed something that they were stuck in slavery. So verse 11 starts here. It says this, During his visit, as far as during Moses' visit, he going out to seeing the Hebrews, he sees something. He sees an Egyptian beating on one of his fellow Hebrews. I find this strange because he's an Egyptian, but he's a Hebrew as well. Like he's, he's legally adopted as an Egyptian, but he's also a Hebrew. So he sees one of his own beating on one of his own. And then he does this. After looking in all directions to make sure no one's watching, Moses kills the Egyptian and buries his body. What's that? That's premeditated murder. Like he sees something going on. And so he, he looks around in every direction. Are there any witnesses? And perhaps he stops and he ponders, how can I get away with this? Where can I hide? Where can I dispose of the body? Can you believe that's in the Bible? So 
So that's what he does. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. So the day before, he sees an Egyptian beating on someone, so he kills him. This day, he sees two Hebrews fighting. He asks them this question. Why are you beating up your friend? It's a fair question. And then Moses said to the one who had started the fight, verse 14, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and our judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? So this is where Moses starts. He starts freaking out because he realizes that as cunning as he was, his crime spree wasn't all that perfect, that someone saw something, that someone noticed at something. So he's afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. Continue on. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened. So not only has this one Hebrew noticed that Moses has killed someone, Pharaoh, his grandfather by adoption, has found out that he's killed someone. So he does something. He flees. He finds himself in a difficult, sticky, tricky position. So he runs away from Pharaoh. And perhaps you're not running from Pharaoh, but I imagine all of us, if we go back to the mud, have found ourselves figuratively in the mud and it terrifies us. And so we flee to whatever description that we can. And so he does this. He, he flees from Pharaoh and he went to live in the land of Midian. Continue. 16, verse 3, of, of, verse 1. Um, one day Moses was tending, he was tending flock. So tending flock, he's this, he's a shepherd now. So he's gone from being a prince of Egypt to being a shepherd. He's gone from ruling over people, from leading to being a shepherd, just looking after animals. That is it. So he's, he's tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. So at this point, he's just walking along with the sheep, minding his own business. It's the desert. He's looking for food everywhere for the sheep. And they're going here and there, looking for water as well. And then all of a sudden, there's this, like there's this bush on fire. So what do you do when you're bored? You like you look at the bush. That's what he does. He stared at the bush in amazement because it was an incredible thing. And so the, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? That's a fair question. If we, any of us found ourselves in that position, I dare say, we'd all ask the same question. That bush isn't burning. There's something wrong with it. I better go and check this out because whatever that is, I need that for my fireplace because I've already gone through too much wood this year already. So, yeah, that's right. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. So things get really weird, don't they? For Moses about now, things are getting really weird. For, to start with, there's a bush that's not burning. It just, it continues to, to en engulf in the flames and nothing burns out. And now the bush is talking from the middle of it. And so God says this to Moses from the middle of the bush, Moses Moses. So he's calling to him. He's calling him in his name. He's trying to get his attention. So Moses does what we would all say when someone calls us. Here I am. Verse 5. And so God then says to him, Do not come any closer. Take up your sandals for the, the ground that you're standing on is holy. Verse 6. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. So God's reflecting back on what Moses saw Originally, like what we looked at last week, the oppression of his people in Egypt. Now, keep in mind, the general opinion is that he was, this is about 40 years since he was in Egypt. And so God says, I have seen the oppression of my people, your people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, 
I am aware of their suffering. Continue. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go. So God's saying, he's, he's highlighting to him, you know what? I've seen everything that's going on and I want to do something about it. Now I'm asking you to go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You can imagine his heart when the word Pharaoh was mentioned. He would have been terrified. That was the guy that he ran from, he fleed from. That was the guy that was trying to kill him. The very mention of that word, I dare say, did something in his heart that terrified him. God says, go. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses starts doing something. He starts protesting. Isn't this what our kids do? For those of you who've got kids, you've experienced something similar to this. As far as God's just highlighted something to Moses, he said, I want you to go and do something. Ever had any kids like come to you and uh, mom, dad, it generally seems to happen to mums, I don't know why, but mom, I didn't, I'm just bored, I don't know what to do. Now they never talk like that because they, their voice hasn't broken. And, but, so they're like, I've, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, or I'm bored. And so you give them an idea, what do they do? They protest, don't they? No matter the idea, it's a stupid idea. It's not a great idea. They don't want to do it. Anyone experienced that? Any parents experienced that? For you, those of you that aren't parents, it's coming. It is coming. So, and so that's what happens here. He starts protesting. God says, here's an idea. I want you to go and do it. So he starts protesting. He says this, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And I love that he starts questioning this. For instance, he says, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Well, to start with, previously to this, he was a prince of Egypt, that he had the right to be able to go before Pharaoh. And secondly, who am I to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Well, again, he's someone that was was gifted, that was given this leadership ability. He was a Hebrew. He was, he was one of them. That's who he was. And so he starts questioning who he was. And then God says this. He says, I will be with you. Verse 13. And this, verse 12. And this sign, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain, this mountain that you're standing on. Verse 13. But Moses, he protests again. So again, he's like our kids. He keeps protesting. If I go to tell the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors. Uh, I find it so fascinating how he he uses his dialect here. Uh, As far as, he's a Hebrew. He's an Israelite. He is one of them. And so God said, I want you to go back and lead your people out of Israel. And he says, but what happens if I go to them and I say that the God of your ancestors. Notice how he doesn't say the God of our ancestors. It's your ancestors ancestors. Why does he say that? He's struggling to have any confidence in himself. He's struggling to believe that he can be anything other than what he is, a shepherd. He, he's struggling to think outside of the box, outside of what he is, though perhaps, and I, I dare say that still in his heart was this idea of wanting to see justice come to a group of people. But he's protesting that because he's struggling to believe that he could be anything like that. The God of your ancestors has sent me. What is his name? They'll ask me. Then what should I tell them? So he's trying to come up with a great argument of what am I going to say? Because they're going to say this. What shall I say? Next slide. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. It's a silly name. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, as far as 
God, Jesus, the God of your ancestors, and so now God flips it. Moses is talking about their ancestors, now God's talking about your ancestors. See, the, the beauty of the conversations with God is God will always instill who you are. He'll never let you get away from believing that you're something that you're not. And so God reminds him of who he is, the God of your ancestors, your part, your ancestors, you're a part of this group of people. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Verse 16. Back it up for a second. I love it, this dialect that um, Moses goes on and he, and he has with God. Last week, we, we looked at this, this desire that he discovered was, was buried within him when he, when he saw his people in slavery and something rose up from within his heart and that was a desire to see justice outworked. And then from there, he has this issue where he starts trying to outwork justice in the only way he knows how to do it, and that was to start beating people. See, some of us, we've got a dream, we've got a vision, we've got a desire. And for some of us, we don't even know that's from God. And we don't know how to go about outworking that. And we do it in the only way that we know how to do it. And sometimes that is the wrong way to go about it. And that's what Moses does just here. He doesn't know how to instill justice. He doesn't know how to bring justice about to this unjust situation. So he starts going about bashing people. And what that does is that gets him in a whole lot of hot water. Now, everyone wants to kill him. People aren't happy with him. So he runs, he flees, and he hides. For some of us here, some of us watching online, we find ourselves in this same position that we feel something in our hearts, but we don't know how to do it. And for some of us, perhaps that we've, we've tried to do it, we've tried to go about it the right way or the way that we think's right, and all it's done is got us into hot water, so we've left it and we've ran away from it. We've run away from it and we've, we've run to somewhere that feels safe. What do you do when you run? You run to somewhere that feels safe, don't you? You run to somewhere that feels comfortable. You run to somewhere where you can feel that you can hide. What happens like in an embarrassing situation? What do you want to do? You just want to be comfortable, don't you? When you're scared, what do you want to do? You just want to be comfortable. When you feel outside of your depth, what do you want to be? You want to be comfortable. So he runs to this place where he's comfortable because he doesn't feel like anyone is pursuing him for his life. He doesn't feel like he has to take any um, leadership over people. All he has to do is walk around with sheep all day. So he goes to this place where he is completely and utterly in his comfort zone. And he remains there for this period of time. And then God comes back and God starts having this interaction with him saying, you know what? I really want you to go back to that dream, that desire that was on your heart all the way back there and I want you to do something with it and so then he protests and he talks about it he's like I can't do this and I can't do that and there's all these reasons why and I think if you go to the next slide the reason that he was in that position is the same thing as the reason that we find ourselves in that same position why pursue greatness why pursue what it is that God's placed in your heart when you've got Netflix and a couch Everyone knows what Netflix is. If you don't know what it is, it's a, it's a TV streaming thing. If you don't know what a couch is, it's something that you recline on generally. You're comfortable. 
If you've got Netflix and a couch, you're normally comfortable. I'm not saying that's all the comfort that there is in life, but would everyone agree that Netflix or TV and a couch is comfortable, providing it's a show that you want to watch? When you're a parent, you now understand that TV and couch doesn't equal comfort all the time. It can equal a lot of other things. You can drop that slide. But so why pursue something when you've got comfort? And so God comes and God starts talking to Moses about going back. He starts protesting because he's comfortable, because I don't want to move from where I am. I want to stay here where I am. I don't want to move. And the truth is this, that you'll never become, he will never become who he is until he steps out of where he is. And the same is true for all of us. Wherever it is that we find ourselves, specifically when we find ourselves in that place of comfort, and sometimes that comfort is devastating to us. You can never step into who you are until you step out of where you are. For some of you, that looks like you've just been trying to make good decisions, but you keep making bad decisions. And the reason you keep making the bad decisions is because you know those decisions. And those decisions, they're comfortable, they're easy, they're, they make you feel like a warm blanket's wrapped around you. So you keep making them, and you, but you find yourself in the same position over and over and over again. It's not for a lack of not wanting if you talk to anyone that, that struggles with addiction, most of them, the vast majority of them, all want to be freed of their addiction. They want to be set free of it, but it costs a lot to be free of something. Specifically when that which keeps you in bondage is comfortable. A lot of us stay where we are because it is comfortable. You know, marriages, for the most part, end up falling apart because it's more comfortable to stay in the turmoil that it exists in than it is to deal with the issues. Anytime we have to deal with issues in life, it is uncomfortable. But you'll never become who it is that you're supposed to be without taking the next step. You'll never move from where you are until you step out of that place. God's called us all to do the same thing as what he's calling Moses to do. And in different ways, in different areas, and in different paths. We're not all called to go and pursue justice for a people group. But we're all called to go and do something, whatever it is that that the God's placed on your heart to do. We're called to step out and do it. And life, to be honest, is all about next steps. The truth is this, we just don't arrive. I'd like to think that we do arrive, but I don't believe we ever arrive at that place where everything's just done, we're all good, like we've, we've accomplished everything in life. I think regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, you'll never accomplish everything that you want to accomplish in life. You can get to the point where you're content, but there's generally always more that we want to achieve, we want to do. Why? Because we never arrive. Life is all about next steps. We get closer to becoming that which we want to become, that which God has called us to become, but we never completely arrive. So it's all about taking next steps. So regardless of whether you find yourself struggling with maybe making poor decisions or you're struggling with addiction or financial turmoil or marriage breakdown or whatever example that you want to use, or if you're not even in any of them, all of us want to be somewhere other than where we are we all want to continue moving forward the only way that we continue to move forward is to step out of where we are and that was what God's petitioning God's encouraging God's challenging Moses to do just that to step out of where he is in order to step into who he is and I think for all of us God's calling us to do the same thing step out of where we are in order to become who we are next slide I wonder if we're to all reflect, if we're all to self-reflect. 
what in your life could change for the better? Because I know sometimes when you ask these questions, you freak out. Like, if I change that, the world will fall apart. If I do this, like, as far as you know, some people, they're just always negative. An idea, like someone gives you an idea and you say, nah, can't work, can't work, won't work. And the, the reason, and I do this sometimes, Sage tells me I do it. Um, the reason you do it is it's more comfortable to continue doing what you're doing, doing the same thing over and over again than it is to change. So what in your life could change for the better if you let go of the comfortable and embraced the uncomfortable? You never become who you are until you step out of where you are. Nothing will change in your life until you step out of where you are currently. Some of us are stuck in the mud. The only way to step out of the mud, sometimes you have to leave something behind. Sometimes something has to stay behind. That perhaps just looks like a gumboot in real life. But so often in life, it looks like that you literally have to leave something else behind. I'm not necessarily saying it's people or, or anything like that, but it generally costs something to continue to move forward. So what could happen in your life for the better if you stepped out of where you are? Perhaps you're that individual that you're just struggling with making good decisions. What could happen in your life if you deliberately started to make the decisions that people have been encouraging you to make as opposed to the ones you keep making? What could change in your life for the better? What could change in your life for the better if you're that individual that struggles with addiction or is doing something that is just completely destructive towards yourself and your family? What could change in your life for the better if you stepped out of where you are and closer towards that person that you were called to be? What could happen in your marriage? If you embrace the uncomfortable as opposed to the comfortable and start dealing with the issues, what could happen in our lives if we deliberately take the next step? What steps do you need to take to step out of what's comfortable? What are the steps that you need to take? I'd love to be able to stand up here and say, here are the steps, A, B, and C. The truth is that the steps for all of us are as unique as we are. So I can't prescribe any steps to any one person. I can only perhaps highlight some steps specifically to myself. And perhaps if you came to me, maybe I could enlighten you on on some perhaps steps. But the truth is this. That's generally a conversation that takes place with you and God. It always takes place with you and God alongside of someone else. So what are the steps that you could actively take? And if you took that, what could change in your family? For some of us, we're in this cycle of repeat. And we can go back over generations and see that this same cycle is happening over and over again of maybe doing bad things, wrong things over and over again or getting stuck with um, abusive substances and we're doing the same thing over and it becomes this generational cycle. What could happen to the rest of your generations if you were that person that decides today I am taking the next step forward away from that? What is it that God has placed on your heart? What is it that God is calling you to do? What is it that God has given you a dream to do that you can step into? And what are the next steps in that? We're going to leave it there and we're going to pick up next week with part three of um, Wild of embracing the who it is that God has called you to be. So if you missed last week, jump on Facebook. Watch the, um, you can watch this morning's as well, but you can watch last week or jump on the podcast, download it, check it out that way. How about you stand up and I'd love to have the opportunity to quickly pray for you. Father, 
I know um, from personal experience, taking a next step, Jesus, isn't, isn't easy. It's not, it's not comfortable, Father. It's more comfortable to stay uh, where we are, Jesus. But I pray that all of us as individuals, Jesus, can, can be bold enough, can be wild enough to step into what it is that you're calling us to step into, Jesus. I pray that we can be people and individuals, Father, that deliberately step out of where we are in order to step into who we are, Father. And I pray that as we do that, Jesus, that we, we start um, seeing breakthrough come in our lives, Jesus. We start seeing breakthrough come in the lives of people around us, Father. And I pray that as specifically we do that, Jesus, that we create inheritance for the future generations that come after us to step into that same freedom, Father. So I pray that we're individuals that choose daily to step outside of the cage that we're currently living in and step into the freedom that you've called us to step into. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Please subscribe to hear more sermons from Epicenter Church.